Hello, and welcome to Inclusive Finance Frontiers, presented by CGAP, a global partnership that works to advance the lives of people living in poverty through inclusive finance. I'm your host, Sai Krishna Kumaraswamy, a CGAP financial sector analyst. My co-host is Yasmin bin Humam. Hi, Sai. Hi, Yasmin. You travel a lot for work. What do you do when you need to withdraw cash? So if I need to get cash, I go to the nearest ATM and put in my debit card and just withdraw the money. Let's suppose your nearest ATM is 10 kilometers away. What would you do then? Oh, my goodness. I guess I would have to find a way to get there or get some other kind of cash out option. Did you know that more than half of people living in poverty in emerging markets live more than five kilometers away from their nearest ATM? So, presumably, they have some other way to cash out money. Exactly. And they are known as cash-in, cash-out agents or Kiko agents, also popularly known as digital financial services agents or DFS agents. Agent networks are a very critical infrastructure that is part of the digital financial services ecosystem. We see a rapid proliferation of digital financial services in the form of mobile money, digital wallets, mobile lending apps. But it's important for us to recognize that people who live in poverty, especially those who live in remote rural areas, continue to live in societies where cash is still king. So what if I didn't want to keep my money in cash? What if I wanted, like, my home was not secure or I wanted to have another place to store my money? Could the agents help me? Of course they could. You would still want to store it in a mobile wallet or a digital savings account, but then again, you would spend in cash. So you would need to be able to convert your digital or electronic money into physical money and back as you need. And this is why they are such a fundamental part of the digital finance ecosystem. Not only do they provide valuable cash-in, cash-out services, but they're also the face of financial service providers for people living in poverty in remote rural areas. They have the trust of those people, but they also collect important user feedback. I always prefer the human touch over a purely digital interface. I always prefer to speak to a human being about what it is I want to do and make sure that everything went according to plan. So I personally can see the value of agent networks. Are they as prevalent as we need them to be? You hit on a right point. As important as these agent networks are, they are sadly not as expansive in the areas where they needed the most. Agent networks are much easier to build in urban areas, as you understand, because the population density is pretty high. But in rural areas where there are few people, it is really hard and expensive to build agent networks. However, the good news is that in recent years, significant progress has been made and we are seeing some really good examples of rural agent network expansion. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing about the progress in this episode. In this episode, we explore the latest advances in agent networks and what they mean for the future of inclusive finance. To go deeper, we hear from Emilio Hernandez, a senior financial sector specialist at CGAP, who has been researching agent networks in many markets and can offer insights on what's working and where there's still room for growth. We'll also learn how the long-established Bank of Baroda in India is using agent networks like those provided by the fintech SubK to bridge the urban and rural divide 
and bring access to formal finance to previously excluded populations. Amid the hype that fintech innovations and digital financial services have caused in financial inclusion circles, it can be easy to forget that cash still plays a foundational role in the economy of most developing nations, and even in many developed ones, despite the perception that there has been a large shift to digitized income. Emilio reminds us that in some cases, cash is still king. It is particularly important for lower income customers that tend to have their livelihoods related to, let's say, semi-formal or informal sectors of the economy where cash prevails. So it is very important for certain segments of customers that still much of their income and a lot of their expenditure needs can only be made in cash. The digital financial service offering that we all have read and have witnessed can bring a lot of value in creating use cases that help our livelihoods, like sending remittances or savings or being able to trade. As a result, the potential of digital financial services, including fintechs, to reach low-income, financially excluded groups largely depends on people's ability to cash in and out of the digital ecosystem. As mentioned earlier, this requires agent networks and these are notoriously difficult to expand to the rural areas where most of the world's poor and financially excluded populations live and work, many of whom are women. But what are agent networks and how do they work? An agent network basically is a network of service points, normally small businesses that are in a way subcontracted by a financial service provider to represent the financial service provider and facilitate financial transactions to customers. So normally it's the mom and pop shop that becomes an agent of a bank or a mobile money company and the customer can go in and perform a transfer, for example. I want to send money to another person that has another account. I can load that money at the agent and I can then send the transfer electronically to that other person. So there is normally a contractual relationship between the agent and the financial institution or sometimes there's an intermediary, there's an agent network manager that has a contract with the agent, and it's the agent network manager that has a contract with the financial institution. And it benefits the financial service provider too. The more limited the agent network coverage is, let's say, if it's only restricted to urban areas or the big metropolis, that means that you will not be able to onboard and to serve customers that are outside those areas. So there is certainly an incentive for providers to keep expanding their agent network so that they keep broadening their customer base. Financial services providers have been relatively successful in building out agent networks in big cities and urban centers, but they've been slower to expand to rural areas. Bank of Baroda is one of the larger public sector banks in India. Headquartered in the city of Vadodara in the state of Gujarat, this long-established institution of over a hundred years has turned to agent networks as a way to achieve its financial inclusion goals. Archana Pandey is General Manager and Head of Financial Inclusion and Corporate Social Responsibility at Bank of Baroda. Looking at the size of the countries, 
it's impossible to have brick and mortar branches reach out to every nook and corner of the country. Initially, when we started, we had the direct model where we were onboarding the agents directly. But over a period of time, as we evolved, as we grew in size, we found that it's extremely difficult to manage. Emilio expanded on some of the challenges. As a financial institution, you need to make an investment to onboard an agent and keep it functioning. The agent, him or herself, needs to make an investment to become an agent. And that investment needs to be recovered by, from the agent side, the revenue that the agent gets for facilitating those financial transactions and the provider from the revenue generated by that financial service that's provided to the customer. If an agent is in rural areas where, by definition, there's very low population density within the catchment area of the agent, there are fewer people living, then you're obviously going to generate less transactions relative to an urban agent where there's a lot of people living around. So that has been the main struggle. It hasn't been economically viable to expand into rural areas. And that has left out the rural population for the most part, but in particular, the lower income rural population who struggles a bit more to do frequent trips to major city where they can have access to agents and bank branches, etc. CGAP's research on cash-in, cash-out agent networks has uncovered innovative business models that make rural agents economically viable. What we found is that there are very different agent network models across markets, and some of them have been a lot more successful in expanding in rural areas. And it's a relatively recent development for the past maybe five or seven years that a new model very much leveraged on digital technology is enabling rural agents to perform viably. These providers, they come and they have been successful due to different use cases. And we found that those key use cases that have had a lot of demand from the rural population tend to be around P2P, that's domestic remittances, tend to be around G2P distribution, basic government subsidies going out to rural areas. And in East Asia in particular, the e-commerce use case has become a very strong use case demanded by the rural population. With e-commerce companies in East Asia increasingly channeling multiple types of financial and non-financial transactions through their agents, a new generation of agent network managers has emerged. These are third-party partners that aggregate different financial and non-financial services on a digital platform. While agent network managers have been around for a long time, their agent networks have traditionally only facilitated a limited range of financial services, such as airtime top-ups, bill payments, and P2P or person-to-person transfers. They are broadening the number and range of services they facilitate. The agents they work with can facilitate transactions for a wider suite of services with what's called a single agent electronic float account. That is, an account with funds that the agent places in advance in their principal provider's account. It allows the agent to receive cash from customers and then settle them electronically with multiple providers by transferring through their principal provider. This aggregation has always existed when it comes to agent network manager, but what's different now is that aggregation has exploded. 
thanks to digital technology. In this digital platform that connects all agents managed by agent network managers, various types of providers, various types of banks, various types of non-bank financial institutions, various types of non-financial companies like FMCG distributors. FMCG stands for fast-moving consumer goods. E-commerce firms, agribusinesses are able to offer their products through that shared agent network. So these agent network managers through API technology are able to integrate into their core platform those core systems of banks, financial institutions, and FMCG companies. India-based fintech Subke Impact Solutions has been a leader in using digital technology to reach clients across the nation. We spoke with Sashidhar Tumuluri, Subke's Managing Director and CEO. Subke is a fintech that's primarily focused on financial inclusion. The business model is called Business Correspondence, which is essentially a bridge between banks and unbanked customers. And we try and establish a distribution network on behalf of banks, wherein a lot of technology is leveraged, primarily mobile technology, wherein the local entrepreneurs act as business correspondence agents who are the face for customers, where customers interact in a local environment where they don't need to really go to a real bank. And we act as a manager of that network. And through this network, we offer various financial services, be it savings, payments, credit, insurance. So all that basic banking services that any citizen would like to avail from a bank, we try and offer that through this network. Subke started in rural with a basic phone as a device to be used and with biometric as a method of identity. We try to capture and identify those customers who walk into these agent outlets so that we know who is coming in and use a basic phone for enabling the transaction. So agents used to have a basic phone with an app on that phone, which was a real-time financial transaction that you used to do even with those kind of situations where mobile connectivity was on telephone network, not even on the more internet network. The identification process was simplified with the launch of Aadhaar, a verifiable 12-digit identification number issued by the Government of India that aims to facilitate the participation of millions of citizens in the country's economic life. In addition, better infrastructure along with increased connectivity have allowed for greater penetration into rural areas. That means that rural agents are more quickly able to recover the investment costs of becoming an agent. Sandhya Rani is a rural Sapke agent in a village near Nizamabad, a city in south-central India. She has managed a local access point for almost four years. She often goes directly to clients, many of them elderly or sick, to provide banking services using a micro-ATM device. ATM withdrawal, ATM fund We provide ATM withdrawals, ATM fund transfers. ATM means if they give the ATM card, we can insert it in the micro ATM and withdraw money to give them. We also transfer and deposit money and open accounts. She has made a significant investment for the onboarding process. I have invested 2 lakh rupees because we had to buy two printers, a camera and a laptop. So we had to spend a lot. And while she's yet to recoup her full investment, all of her expenses are covered by what she's earning. Sandhya is one of 3.2 million Sapke agents operating across India. 
Subke works with 10 banks both large and small including Bank of Baroda. The bank uses a model where agents are part of an agent network manager referred to by Archana as corporate business correspondents or BC agents which makes onboarding and training of agents much easier and more successful. It's much easier to handle the larger workforce we have in the form of field level BC agents when we deal with the corporate business agents. So with this assisted model of banking the infrastructure is a very very minimalistic and we link it to our core banking solution but we onboard there is a question of due diligence so there is one level of due diligence which is done by corporate business agents and then once it is already done then our branches do a second level of verification we also do a police verification for all the agents we onboard then billing etc payments gst etc all that is also becomes much corporatized and in addition to that this also comes with some additional security because they are also monitoring them and we have certain agreements with them like agent agreement in case of any frauds or any unfair practices which goes on at the bc points then we can make the corporate business correspondence responsible for the misdeeds of these business agents so that is one more thing Another thing is like when we have to reach out to our business agent, we give a call to our corporate business correspondents and then they reach out to their agents. So this becomes very easy for both the partners. So that's the precise reason why we moved to this new system of corporate business agents. In addition to partnering with banks, Subki has gained insights from data collected about agents, activities, and customers to find additional spaces in which they can serve. they were one of the first to recognize that household appliances was a market that was strong in rural india so they sought out this type of providers they realized that there were several financial services specific financial services in some regions of india where they operate where their bank partners were not offering uh, that particular service point so they themselves became a non-bank financial company and started doing their own financial services that complement the offer that their banking partners provide their ability to know what the agent and the customer need drives their strategy on who to partner with and sometimes what kind of services they can deliver themselves as a provider they're not only limited to being an agent network manager that distributes other services but they also provide their own Subke says that the way they choose agents has been a key aspect in allowing to expand into rural areas and reach new customers particularly lower income and less financially included people. Yes, so we try and do two things. One is we try to identify locations where still there is a need for agents so we expand in less penetrated markets. so that automatically gives us access to new to bank customers who would not have had access before the other thing we also do is we try to engage more and more women agents so that we can then capture the market from that gender side of it as well because exclusion is higher on the women population which is an opportunity as well so we partner with large government programs wherein there is a special focus on gender and women and we try and engage the beneficiaries of those programs as agents so that their own networks that they operate in then become their customer base 
the other part is since we also try and load more and more products on the network that also brings in customers who are specifically looking for a kind of a product not necessarily the one that was offered earlier for example if somebody wants to apply for a loan but they are happy to go into an atm to withdraw money right but atms don't give out loans so now you can attract that customer to come to an agent network say hey you know what we give out gold loans we give business loans you can apply here our colleague anand raman a cgap consultant based in india spoke to a group of sapki customers at a rural access point near the village of nizampur in the state of telangana in india the bank branch is 3 kilometers away from here i used to go by bus car bike and auto rickshaw we don't go now our work gets done right here As ladies, do you face any difficulty coming here? This is the place where we get our work done early. We come here. We're uncomfortable standing at the bank while our work gets completed in just 10 minutes here. If we go to the bank, we have to face issues like filling the vouchers and waiting in the bank. Here, our work gets done in 10 minutes. While progress has been made there is still much work to be done to ensure that more women customers are being served some companies like Sapke are trying to recruit more female agents but in general there is still an ongoing need to recruit more women as both agents and customers Emilio says that Cgap's research has identified a significant knowledge gap around exactly how big the problem is and how to address it to address a problem you need to understand it in full detail and so far it's a bit hard because you don't have the data coming from the providers on the ground the majority of the providers we speak to cannot tell us what percentage of their agents are men and what percentage are women they cannot tell us what percentage of their customers are men and what percentage of the customers are women so we need to start there having said that there's certainly a lot of ground knowledge when you talk to many of the providers of some of the issues that they face even if they would want to recruit more women agents and more women customers so some of the practical challenges that we've seen has a reason relate to for example two fronts social norms and the skills that anybody needs to become an agent Emilio explains that it is often not socially acceptable for women to become agents in many parts of the world. Might be that doing the agent job requires you to move around because you're in your shop for a while, but then you have to walk to a near bank branch to balance your float to be able to continue to process your customer transactions in real time. And that mobility can be much harder for women than for men it's just not accepted that a woman can move by herself with a lot of cash going to a bank social norms may even cause other impediments such as providing documents for kya or know your agent which is the compliance with identification and due diligence to onboard new agents the woman is not able to provide the KYA documents that she needs because she doesn't have an ID and she doesn't have an ID because it's very hard for her to get an ID because the family does not support her having an ID or she needs the family permission the husband or parents or siblings permission to get that ID and it's very hard then there's the other 
aspects related to skills where in order to perform as an agent, you need minimum abilities literacy to be able to keep your own accounts in terms of the transactions you facilitate, the flow that you have. And there is also a well-documented literacy gap between men and women. Female agents may also need additional training to be onboarded, but there are ways to make the process more inclusive and effective. There has been anecdotal experiences that show things that can help. For example, the regulator not requiring any permission from anybody for the woman to be able to get an ID and be able to comply with KYA. For providers, for example, be able to think very hard at a combination of remote, virtual, and physical training sessions specifically targeting women, that can have its payoff because women agents, not only will they be able to expand the customer base that will bring more revenue in the future, but also they can really be able to probably serve other women who have been traditionally underserved. You've got a business case argument around customer base expansion. Now, the problem is that even if it's true for every market, you need a medium to long-term time horizon to see that investment in women agents pull through. So there might be opportunities for the government to subsidize that process, to speed it up and make it less costly for providers. So they're willing to wait the time it requires to recover that investment in onboarding women and being able to develop financial services that are more appropriate for women's needs. Archana Pandey believes agent networks provide greater financial inclusion for female customers who are often disproportionately excluded. The Bank of Baroda is working diligently to serve both female agents and customers. That's a very important segment for Bank of Baroda, be it on the customer side or be it on the agent side. So if we talk about our agent network, out of 45,000 plus business correspondents, 28% of them are women VCs, which is a real good number. If we talk about the customer side also, I'm very happy to share that it's equal like 50% accounts if we talk about is between men and women. So that's the perfect financial inclusion objective is the government targeted this is perfectly being met. For women VCs, business correspondents, we are also giving preferred higher deposit incentives. We are giving a higher incentive scheme to them. The Bank of Baroda is leveraging its agent networks to provide other services for women's economic empowerment, which also supports beneficiaries of Pradhan Mantri Jan Dhan Yojana, a financial inclusion program by the Government of India that aims to expand affordable access to financial services among citizens. We had partnered with the World Women Banking. So what they were doing is they were developing saving habit among women in the way that if you deposit some particular amount per month for five months or six months, you are eligible for a particular loan amount after that period. And in that process, we were incentivizing everybody to develop this habit. The next part is that there is a lot of financial literacy happening in the process. People are understanding this and that this is giving away to financial health of the people also. And the same way when we are onboarding female VCs, I'm particularly of the view that these women VCs who are learning to use the digital payment system through our VC infrastructure, they are encouraging so many women in the community. And people are getting encouraged to come up to banks 
to save, to borrow. I mean, to whatever facilities we are extending. And then same way for skill development also. Like we have so many rural self-employment training centers also. Uh, just like 3% of the total people trained are women. So that's again great. So we have many financial literacy centers also where 50% almost are women. As for Sapke, Sashidhar says they use strategies like connecting with women's self-help groups to improve markets for women and make them more accessible. The self-help group movement first emerged in India in the 1980s to connect underserved customers with financial services. In 1992, India's National Bank for Agriculture and Rural Development, or NABARD, launched its savings group linkage program with the mission of reaching those families who did not have access to credit by any formal financial institution. By 2000, Savings groups had become a central part of the Indian government's efforts to mitigate poverty and promote rural livelihoods. This is a very large network and it's been around for now three decades. It's a very mature social development programs run on the back of these women groups. And we try and work with the leadership of these women groups who sometimes are also educated and can quickly become agents. The other segment, which is microfinance segment, where a majority of the customers are women, they also work in the group model, where the most active of these women can develop as agents. So we try and exploit these opportunities also, wherein more women can come into the agent network, which automatically attract more women customers. And that's culturally how it works in many markets, including India. Also, in the networks where men are the ones who are enrolled as agents, we encourage them to enroll their spouses or their women folks in the family to be registered as the second agent. Many banks today allow an agent to deploy sub-agents. That is possible. So wherever there is a bank that is allowing a sub-agent to be registered, we insist that the sub-agent should be the spouse or the sister or mother of the male agent. We are engaging the family. That is an important thing. Family as a business unit, which allows an agent to operate for longer hours. So about 30% of our agents today are either directly or indirectly manned by a female person, whether it's a direct female agent or it's a sub-agent. And it's very difficult to know the exact distribution of customers on the gender side because banks don't reveal that information. But with some indirect mechanisms, we try and do some sampling. About 48% of our customer base, our footfalls, are women today in our network. So that is not statistically tested, but this is sampling that we did to understand our own customer distribution. So in that sense, we think that's decent because that's kind of what population distribution broadly is also. So in some sense, it is helping. The strategies are helping to bring more women into the system. And rural agent Sandhya Rani can speak to the profound effect being a part of this system can have. I love this work. I like it that people wait for me to give them money. They respect me. Call me madam. They know they can get money anytime they come here. People trust me. That's why I love this work. I would like to continue as long as I feel like it. The service here is good. And so is my confidence. With great strides being made in financial inclusion for customers in India and to bridge the gender divide, 
I'm curious about the role of Asian networks going forward. I'm also curious about what the future has in store for us. As India gets commonly educated, financial literacy improves, and people are already very savvy to smartphones, etc. So a lot of customers will also get migrated to the digital channels. We will be the happiest lot when the people get migrated to digital channels. So the requirements of business correspondence to that extent may get limited for certain set of services. It will take time for good personal literacy to happen and the whole order. Till then, have an ambition of reaching a business correspondent target of 58,000 by 2027. And these business correspondents right now, as we speak, we are already providing loan services. So right now what we are doing is we are providing only lead generations that they only need to give leads that this person requires loans. So going forward, what we will see that if we can give more beyond lead generation, if we can give something. Because for self-employment, if people go out to go for self-employment, these kinds of loan facilities help people set up their small businesses. It would also be interesting to keep an eye out on digital banking units or DBUs and how they can be leveraged vis-a-vis -vis agent networks. In late October 2022, to commemorate and celebrate 75 years of India's independence, Indian Prime Minister Sri Narendra Modi dedicated 75 DBUs in 75 districts. All services at the DBUs will be offered in a digital, paperless and completely secure manner by different banks. In our DBUs, we have identified 30 plus services which can be provided by the business correspondents from a location different from the DBU location. What we will be doing is these BCs will be actively engaged in increasing digital financial literacy. I would say DBUs have a very, very strong prospect, but the objective of DBU as we speak is to reach out to those customers who do not have infrastructure available with them like smartphones or laptops or any other things. And they are able to digitally transact, they go to digital banking unit and transact. Next stage will be when we are able to bring those people who are not digitally literate into our field and they come and transact at our DBUs and gradually they will migrate to self-service units. DBUs and business correspondents are going to coexist and they are going to complement each other as we look forward. So, Yasmin, have you pieced together Digital Finance's little secret? Yes, the secret seems to be that it's not as digital as we make it out to be. There's still a need for a human touch at the point of cashing in, cashing out, learning about the services, training people. So this human element is crucial. Exactly. And it's no surprise that India has prioritized agent network expansion within its digital financial inclusion strategy. You focus a lot on women, and I'm curious, what does all this mean for your work? Yeah, women are often the most excluded segments within other excluded segments like rural populations. And so I was really heartened to hear about the hiring of women agents in India. This is something that has worked in a number of places and it's crucial not just for the women who are cashing in and cashing out, but also for the women who are employed as agents. So I'm keen to see how these business models evolve. Me as well. Can't wait to see how it unfolds. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Inclusive Finance Frontiers podcast from CGAP. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast and spread the word among your networks. Special thanks to our episode guests, my co-host Yasmin bin Homam, the CGAP Podcast Production Committee, and CGAP's production partner, Volubility Podcasting.